Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You need to ask yourself are you ready for the journey? Are you ready for the hard work? Are you ready to make sacrifices? Running a business can be tough. So it makes sense that managing your business accounts shouldn't get in the way of what you do best. But it's easy with Sage Accounting Tools on your smartphone, your tablet, or your laptop. It's accounting for wherever you are on your business journey. Go to sage.co.uk forward slash journey. Sage, accounting for the journey. broadcast of tap into the truth hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all of the usual caveats of course with you as always i'm your ever so humble host tim tap coming to you live from historic and scenic roan county tennessee and i am definitely feeling the christmas spirit tonight i have been uh, in a unexpectedly good mood most of the day uh, well above and beyond the norm and I'm excited tonight to have the opportunity to talk with Andrew Langer. He's the president of the Institute for Liberty and a contributor to the American Spectre as well as townhall.com. We'll be talking about Dodd-Frank and why it must be repealed under a Trump administration. Then a little bit later, Brian Crabtree will be uh, stopping by the program again and we'll be talking about how it appears that the GOP leadership is trying to lay the groundwork to stop Trump's proposed tax cuts. We'll talk about that. We'll see what's going on. And then after all that, I'll be welcoming back Dan Perkins to the show. We'll be talking about Donald Trump's nomination of ExxonMobil CEO Rex Tillerson for Secretary of State. And uh, if time allows, we'll cover a few other topics and we'll go from there. So ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to today's show. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a blessed holiday season to this point. And remember, when I say holiday season, I'm certainly not trying to wean away from saying Merry Christmas, because I certainly hope you all have a very Merry Christmas. But I also want to include our uh, Jewish friends who are going to be celebrating Hanukkah this year, starting technically on the... uh, on Christmas Day, the 25th, but uh, they start the observance on Christmas Eve this year. It's not very often that it falls on uh, Christmas, but uh, that is the starting point this year. 
Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Mary, who's already joined us in the chat room. How are you tonight, Mary? Hope you're uh, feeling the love and joy of the holiday season around you. Uh, very excited about tonight's opportunity. We'll be having three really good guests and we'll be covering some of the topics of the day. In the meanwhile, definitely want to uh, talk a little bit about something that uh, is near and dear to my heart, and that is how in our culture wars, and I guess this technically could be the culture war segment, as I'm not welcoming my first guest until 7.30, so we've got about 30 minutes to discuss it. But as we all know, the ACLU has been on a mission, along with atheist groups like Freedom From Religion, uh, to try and annihilate Christmas in the uh, open when it comes to town settings and whatnot. They, they have this mistaken idea that freedom of religion somehow is supposed to mean freedom from religion, and that is just not the case. And they talk about how people being offended somehow equals their rights being violated. When I still contend that the proper application of our constitutional rights practically guarantees that each and every person born an American citizen will at some point in their life be offended. The thing about being offended is that's the time to put your big boy or your big girl pants on, pull them all the way up, <clears throat> put your walking shoes on, and just keep moving because. That's all there is to it. However, in Knightstown, Indiana, there are crosses going up all over town. See, a group of residents in the town of about 2,100 people are standing up for the town's Christmas display despite a recent lawsuit. The ACLU, at it again, sued the town on behalf of resident Joseph Tompkins, claiming that the cross on the top of the town's Christmas tree is a violation of Tompkins' First Amendment rights, guaranteeing separation of church and state. Uh, once again, the phrase church and state never appear anywhere in the Constitution. Uh, your First Amendment rights, your Second Amendment rights, your Third Amendment rights, all of these are very specific about what you're allowed to do what you are permitted, what you're guaranteed. Nowhere in it does they say that there will be a separation of church and state, only that Congress shall pass no laws establishing a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Doesn't mean no religion. And I'm tired, so tired, especially this time of year, of having to have this conversation, having to make this point over and over and yet over again, some rather thick-headed individuals. At any rate, the suit requests the cross be removed from the town, uh, I'm sorry, be removed from the tree, and the town pay Tompkins damages for being, quote, forced to come into direct and unwelcome contact with the cross display every day. Poor guy. Uh, one of the residents, uh, a Cynthia Sturgill, uh, was quoted as saying, just because one person's offended doesn't mean they have to take away one particular thing. In fact, Cynthia is dead on. 
uh, your rights, Mr. Tompkins, end where the next persons begin. And when there are multiple people in town whose right to see that cross on top of that Christmas tree is being expressed and exercised, you have the right to be offended. You do not have the right to interfere with them. You can look the other way. You can avoid the display. You don't have to look at the top of the tree. You don't even have to look at the tree. Uh, even if you, for some reason, have to go by this tree each and every single day, if it'll offend you, either find another route or just don't look at it. It's the same thing as when some ridiculous song comes on the radio that you can't stand. Just change the channel. Or let it play, wait till the next one comes on, and be glad it's over. Either way, pull up those big boy pants and be done with it. Tompkins is successful. His lawsuit will bring down the cross. To declare their support for the tree topper, hundreds of people in Knightstown have All right. How about now, Mary? Can you can you hear me now? Uh, no, the show is not finished, Mary. Uh, yeah, I'm back. <laughs> I'm having to cheat. I had to call in via Skype to my own show. Ah, <sighs> the connect is not working. All right, that's just awesome. I tell you, it's just absolutely awesome. All right, well, I. Just lovely, lovely it is. BTR is killing me. I've had technical glitches the last freaking two and a half weeks. I was bragging about them a little before that. It's been a while. Now we're back to this. Eh. <laughs> hmm. Wonder if they're afraid that Holger will uh, awaken all over them <laughs> in a very meaningful way. Uh, Sorry, uh, having a conversation with Mary in the chat room. Guess I'll have to go back and edit the audio during the bike spa uh, blank space there. Backspace? Yeah, I'll be backspacing. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right, Mary, help me out. Uh, what was the last thing you said before I went dead? Or do we even remember now? It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. All right. Well, uh, obviously, we had just uh, started talking about uh, what would be the culture war segment for tonight. Not sure how far I got into it right now. <laughs> old timers disease. Um, just, BTR is killing me. <laughs> Hope it doesn't uh, cross up on me again later. Uh, now it tells me that I'm not connected. Uh, but I'm talking, so I must be connected. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Uh, no. No, it doesn't. I'll leave that and do this. It's killing me. Absolutely killing me. I'm afraid they're going to shut down uh, this BTR thing. Ah, guess I will have to keep myself uh, signed in the other way in case I go dead again. 
got this. Okay, right, that's got me. And I am back. Although now it's kind of creepy because I keep hearing myself on the other line. I would love to just start the whole thing right now. And I guess I will have to do exactly that. I'm going to have to end my Skype call. And hopefully, I won't interfere anymore with this. Uh, okay. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Seems I lost the story I was reading too. Isn't that nice? Does everyone else get as frustrated with BTR as I do? I'm, I'm going to have to go back to Spreaker full time. Uh, the only thing that keeps me from doing that uh, just straight up is the fact that it's a lot harder to migrate all of the software to take phone calls. Uh, otherwise, I'd be all about the Spreaker. Uh, anyway. Da, 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 da. Now, what I was talking about, and now I've got to try and uh, speed it in pretty quick because I've only got a few minutes before time to call my first guest, is the fine folks in uh, Knightstown, Indiana. Seems that uh, crosses are going up all over Knightstown. Uh, a group of residents in the town of roughly about 2,100 people are standing up for the town's Christmas display despite a recent lawsuit. Yes, that's right. The ACLU is at it again. The ACLU sued the town on behalf of resident Joseph Tompkins, claiming that the cross on the top of the town's Christmas tree is a violation of Tompkins' First Amendment rights, guaranteeing separation of church and state. Now, I am so very tired of having to have this conversation over and over again. There is no guaranteed separation of church and state. Only a declaration that Congress shall pass no laws in the establishment of a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, the suit requests that the cross be removed and the town pay Tompkins damages for being, quote, forced to come into direct and unwelcome contact with the cross display, sadly, every day. Now, if Tompkins is successful, his lawsuit will bring down the cross. But in order to declare support for the treetopper, hundreds of people in Knightstown have put crosses up in their yards, stores, windows, and even their cars. And I say good for you. Uh, Tompkins, of course, is uh, very upset that his uh, poor sensitivities of being offended. But to me, it's not a religious thing, says Cynthia Sturgill. Sturgill. It's not all about Christianity. It's about memorial. It's about loss of family. It's about loved ones. It's about the veterans. The Jefferson Memorial has tons of crosses, millions of crosses for veterans. Now, of course, Tompkins disagrees, but now hundreds in the town are making it clear that they disagree with him. Patricia uh, Hudson, another Knightstown resident, said, quote, I just thought we should rebel some way or let him know how we feel. Hudson came up with the idea to make more than 200 wooden crosses and give them away for free. 
by the time that a vigil in support of the cross started this past Sunday night, all but a few were gone. Quote, I hope they make people realize what we should speak up for and that we should speak up for what we believe in and stand up for it and not be pushed around. Now, of course, everyone agrees. Well, I don't know that I agree. That's just me. But everyone agrees that the town will have to respect the court's decision if the lawsuit makes it that far. But in the meantime, they hope that they're able to show Tompkins why he should drop the suit instead. Quote, as long as I'm around and family, friends, this town will fight it every bit of the way, uh, Cynthia Sturgill uh, also said. Uh, continuing, she added, we don't want the cross to come down. Now, Tompkins did not respond to a request for comment about the community's reaction to his lawsuit. And, of course, town officials also say they're not ready to comment about how they plan to respond to the suit. But here is the plain and simple, easy, straight-up deal. The only response they should have is to ignore it until they simply can't ignore it anymore. They need to stand up for their rights to have a star or a cross or an angel or whatever they choose that's part of the Christmas declaration that they choose to utilize. See, the thing about the Constitution is everyone's rights end where the next person's right begins. And the people of that town have the right to display this Christmas uh, scene. They wanted to have the nativity. They'd have that right. Again, you've had lots of court decisions that have found the other way because in their opinion, somehow that makes it an endorsement. But these people are supposed to be, and when I say these people, I'm talking about the elected officials of a town, a city, a county. They're supposed to be the voice of the people. Now, minorities and in this case, the one guy who's so terribly offended by having to come into contact with this cross every day. Minorities have the right to be protected. In fact, we have lots of safeguards for minority rights built into the Constitution and built all the way further down. At the end of the day, all that really matters is that you have the choice. You can choose to be offended or you can choose to ignore it. If he wants to be offended, guess what? Congratulations, you're an American and you are enjoying part of your constitutional rights because the proper application of the Constitution practically guarantees that you will, in fact, be offended at some point in your life, no matter who you are and no matter how laid back you might be. But the thing about being offended is, like I said, you pull up your big boy pants, your big girl pants. And you get to stepping. You keep moving. You go on. You got a choice. A song comes on the radio you hate. Change the station. Turn it off. Or wait till it's over and enjoy the next tune. Those are your options. That's it. That's life. That's just the way it goes. I'm over these attacks on Christmas. It's time for these things to come to an end. Our culture is worth saving and our culture is worth fighting for. Christmas is worth fighting for. It's one of the best times of the year, whether you're a Christian or not. And if I go around saying Merry Christmas and you're not a Christian, just accept the fact that I am wishing you well. 
It's a positive thing. I'm hoping you feel joy and love and glowy, warm feelings. That's what it's about. Well, when I say Merry Christmas, that's obviously not what Christmas is about. But, you know, you know what I mean, and I digress. Let's stop with all the excess crybaby crap, please. Is that too much to ask for? Why we have to have a nation of snowflakes that are all crybabies? How are we even the same nation that stormed the beaches of Normandy when now we go from 18-year-olds that were dodging bullets and seeing their friends getting blown to bits and still taking the beach because it was the right thing to do to suddenly becoming a nation where 23-year-olds need a safe space to hide from different ideas that they've not been exposed to before and somehow that scares them. Frightening. Frightening. All right, Mary, are we still getting good audio at this point? Because I'm about to have to make a call, and I do not. (laughs) Do not want to try and make this. Uh, The world is insane. Uh, Absolutely. Well, actually, the world's fine. It's just the people (laughs) that are in it. Uh, A lot of them are insane. All right. Uh, I got less than three minutes till time. uh, So what I'm going to do now is take a little break, play a little little, uh, Christmas music here. And try and get my first guest on the line. Again, that's Andrew Langer. And uh, bear with me, and I'll be back as soon as I can. being joined by Andrew Langer. He is the uh, president of the Institute for Liberty. He's a contributor to the American Spectator, and he is, of course, a contributor at townhall.com as well. And uh, today, 
Uh, he's going to be discussing with us why we really need to see the Dodd-Frank uh, bill uh, repealed and why he thinks that should be one of Trump's uh, first agenda goals. But first of all, uh, uh, Mr. Langer, thank you very much for being with us tonight and uh, welcome to the show. For having me. Uh, uh, Yeah, I can hear you now. Uh, There you are. Sorry about that. Uh, Okay. Uh, Well, uh, naturally, you've been talking a little bit here recently and uh, making the point about how terrible uh, Dodd-Frank, in particularly the Durbin Amendment, uh, is really the focal point. Uh, Why is it that you think that needs to be one of the focus points of the Trump administration right out the gate, uh, just doing away with it? Well, I mean, one of the... One of the big issues we've been dealing with as a nation uh, is uh, the, the impact that Dodd-Frank has had on the uh, financial services industry. Uh, one of the things we're talking about is getting America moving again, getting America working again. Uh, Dodd-Frank and the Durbin Amendment itself have had a real impact on the ability of consumers to get credit, uh, on the ability of small businesses to get credit. And, you know, just as a matter of principle, you know, the bill itself was passed under false pretenses, essentially, you know, passed to, to ensure that we never uh, had a situation where we had banks that were too big to fail uh, and uh, that consumers were going to be helped by this law. And unfortunately, just the opposite has occurred. You know, the same banks that were too big to fail before are still in existence. A bunch of very small financial institutions went under. And uh, consumers themselves have been have been hurt in a variety of ways from uh, the ability to get access to uh, uh, credit uh, uh, products uh, to the fact that you know millions have lost bank accounts and, and are no longer or now included in the category of what we call the unbanked. Right. Well, for the folks that really don't understand uh, the Dodd Amendment, that essentially is what kind of put across the board a uh, a set fee that was initially intended. It was promised as a way to help reduce the cost for using debit cards. Uh, that didn't exactly work out well, as yeah, promised. No, well, that's exactly right. I mean, it's essentially, anytime you have government meddling in the marketplace and sort of trying to figure out uh, the rates at which uh, things ought to be uh, ought to be set, uh, the market reacts and it reacts negatively, and there are all sorts of unintended consequences. So the Durbin Amendment was was you know a way to sort of get at uh, the way retailers and other organizations, other businesses, uh, are, are charged uh, fees to use uh, uh, credit cards. Um, you know, and, and you know the way that they are able to pass along those fees to their customers. Uh, of course, you know, had this this effect of uh, drying up the ability of these businesses to take credit cards. Uh, and, you know, customers lost out. You had the ancillary impacts of of other uh, services like uh, prepaid debit cards, prepaid uh, or uh, um, um, what do they call? Uh, it's been a long day. Uh, prepaid credit cards and. Uh, um, um, Certified cards, um, they, they, those those sort of went by the wayside as well. Right now, this actually has a huge impact on the actual buying power, especially for medium income to lower income families. But it's something that they typically don't see, and that's why this is important for uh, the American people. It's hard to get folks to really delve into this to understand it, though. Exactly well, how much. Go ahead. No, no, no. Well, you know, in the end, you know, people are seeing it when they're unable. If you were at the at the lower end, end of the income spectrum, and you're trying to get a secured credit card, that's the word I was looking for, a secured credit card or a a prepaid Visa a debit card, and you're seeing uh, those uh, those products disappear or or the rules that uh, that are being put on them make them far too expensive for 
you, you to use, uh, you really see it. Uh, you know, in terms of other aspects of Dodd-Frank, if you're someone who lost your bank account and you're someone who, who has to rely on a check cashing business uh, to cash your weekly paycheck, and all of a sudden the check cashing businesses that you use go out of business, you, you see it in a very particular and very painful way. Uh, in fact, it was one of those rare situations where Democrats and Republicans got together uh, when they were sort of examining what was going on in the financial services industry, and you had inner-city Democrats saying, oh, my God, I'm hearing from my constituents that they're no longer able to, uh, to cash their paychecks. Uh, you know that there's a serious problem out there. Right. Now, but, you know, again, though, I don't think very many people truly understood that it's because of this that that happened. Uh, are you having trouble at all helping to educate people? Or are you finding resistance, people pushing back? Would you trying to send this message? Well, I, you know, listen, I, 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 think, I think people get it because they're seeing it in, in their own communities. It's, you know, it's one of those situations where, you know, you have folks uh, at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and folks in the Obama administration who, who said, you know, who were saying essentially, what are you going to believe, uh, your own eyes or, or me? Um, you know, folks can can sort of see it out there, and and they see it in in their in in the, the letters they're getting from the banks saying that their accounts are being shut down. Um, this is this is stuff that that is happening. No, you're absolutely right. They don't understand quite the relationship between the regulation and and what happens in the marketplace. Um, but as you sort of walk them through it, and you make it, you know, you, you get folks to understand that the, the bigger an entity is, the more they can uh, absorb the cost of these rules. And they know that their competitors, their smaller competitors, are not able to absorb those costs. Uh, so they, you know, they get driven out of business. Folks understand that, uh, you know, and folks are getting cronyism in a way that they really have never gotten before in America, just because they're they're seeing it more and more. All right. Well, uh, do you think uh, Donald is actually going to take this up as a high priority? Uh, and if he does. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What type of resistance do you think it'll be through Congress? Is this something that uh, Democrats and Republicans can actually agree on, or is no, this no, going well, to be well, something? Well, let's let's take the first part first, which is that okay. you know, nobody has been more surprised than I was uh, that uh, Donald Trump is making good on his promises to do what he said he was going to do. Right? I mean, I've been involved in politics and policy for two decades now, and I've never seen a national politician actually carry through on his or her promises to do what they said they were going to do during a campaign. So Donald Trump is doing this. Donald Trump says he's going to fundamentally push to reform Dodd-Frank. He's going to fundamentally push to reform Dodd-Frank. And with that in mind, it really means in the end that, no, you're not going to get a lot of Democratic support because these rules have been very good to Democrats and their Democratic allies. 
uh, especially when you're talking about uh, um, the rules that were going to go after the short-term high-risk lending industry, uh, which was designed to sort of reward uh, major, major Democratic constituents. All right. Well, we're uh, we're actually starting to get close to your time limit for today. So before we uh, let you go, uh, tell everybody a little bit about the Institute for Liberty and uh, what you guys do there. Sure. We're, we're and I apologize for the music in the background if you can hear it. Uh, I, so we're a small uh, nonprofit advocacy organization. We are divided between Washington D.C. Uh, and the cradle of American liberty, Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, we focus on federal public policy, mostly mostly regulatory policy. Uh, we do some state, some international work. Uh, you can check us out at iChooseLiberty.org uh, online. Uh, I do a weekly podcast called The Langercast. It's easily uh, found, so go check us out. All right, and uh, I have uh, taken the liberty to put uh, links to the Institute for Liberty and The Langercast in today's show description. So if you're Thanks. interested in checking that out. And uh, again, uh, first of all, uh, let me uh, wish you a very Merry Christmas and uh, a blessed uh, holiday season. Thank you for being with us today, and hopefully we can talk again sometime soon. I hope so as well. God bless. All right. Thank you much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Andrew Langer, and uh, he is the president of the Institute for Liberty. Um, very short, very information uh, concentrated uh, conversation there. Uh, always love to get these quick hits and uh, get them in there and get that information out. Uh, again, you know, for folks that don't understand, though, uh, Dodd-Frank is something that I know most of the people that normally listen to this show, you've heard about quite a bit. Uh, we've kind of discussed it uh, on the sign. We've never really got in depth with it here, but I've had, had folks call and talk about it. And I've had a guest or two uh, mention the outsearch. But the Durbin Amendment is really one of those uh, Additions to the law that was put in place, I, I, I did the research earlier, I'm thinking uh, 2010 is when it uh, worked its way in. And the whole idea was that it was supposed to make it cheaper for businesses to process debit cards so that that would in turn allow them to uh, do more fees with debits, allow a lot of customers uh, to get essentially more buying power and use their debit cards in places that they couldn't before. And uh, unfortunately, because of a loophole, a lot of bigger businesses were actually able to take advantage of it. And a lot of smaller businesses who were now having to pay the exact same fee uh, for small, tiny uh, transactions as big businesses were for large transactions – it was really putting a strain on their bottom line, and it did force a lot of businesses out of business and force a lot of other businesses to have to raise their prices, which in turn forced some of them out of business by no longer being competitive. And it was a big mess. But uh, I, I do look forward to seeing exactly where we do go from here with it. Uh, fundamental reform, however, does not equate to repeal. I, along with a lot of other people, I think are dead set on trying to get repeal. And as such, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Mary says anything the government does is a big mess. And you're right. In fact, one of the scariest yet funniest jokes you'll ever hear is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Uh, the bottom line is, is government of any kind really is usually only good at a few things. Uh, wasting money, wasting time, 
and messing things up are at the top of that list. But hey, they are really good at it. And growing up, uh, one of my mottos in life was stick with what you're good at. And that's something uh, our government certainly has done for some time. In fact, since the days of the framers and the, the founders, I don't know that our government has worked the way it's supposed to since then. But uh, even then, it was meant to bog down, slow down, and keep people from having knee-jerk reactions. Now it's just all about what can we do to take advantage of taxpayer dollars. Dodd-Frank has been an issue for a while, and uh, across the board, it really should be repealed. But one of the things, though, that does concern me about Donald Trump uh, is that he seems to have this idea that he needs to replace whatever he's repealing with something else. There's a lot of times when it's just okay to repeal something, especially if it's something in an area that, oh, I don't know, let's say the federal government has no business being involved with in the first place. But that's just me. What do I know? What do I know? <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, I, like I said, I hope everybody is enjoying the Christmas season to this point. I uh, definitely wanted to talk a little bit more uh, about another story that I think kind of hits into our culture war as well, but in a different fashion. Uh, in case you missed it today, one of the bigger stories that uh, was circulating is the fact that a George, a George, a judge, easy for me to say, my enunciation is rough tonight. I apologize. Promise I have not been hitting the eggnog. I actually don't normally drink much eggnog. Uh, anyway, a judge orders Colorado electors to vote for Hillary Clinton. Now, on the outset, that kind of upsets me a little bit as a headline, but uh, there's a reason why they did it, uh, <laughs> and we'll get into that. Uh, Colorado's nine electors must vote for Hillary Clinton because she won the state's popular vote. Uh, and this was a ruling based uh, this past Tuesday. That was yesterday, but uh, this effectively stopped the state's electors from joining a long shot effort to unite with Republicans behind a compromised presidential candidate other than Donald Trump. OK, did you catch that? Seems like some folks in Colorado, along with some other Republican electors that seem to be having trouble bringing themselves to vote for Trump when it's time to go to the Electoral College on the 19th and actually elect who will be our next president. So they were looking to try and figure some way out. But you see, the thing is, Colorado actually does have a law in place that says that their electors are bound by the results of their state election. Now, I have always been a fan of the notion that the electors were supposed to be free to vote however they want. Uh, many states then passed laws saying that you have to vote the way the elections uh, turned out within their state at least once. Some of them uh, now have to vote at least three times. Uh, Colorado has a law in effect that says flat out, boom, you just have to vote the way the election went here, period. Doesn't matter how many times you have to vote, doesn't matter, whatever. And 
as a proponent of states' rights, I believe the state has the right to pass that law. Although it seems counterintuitive to the purpose of the Electoral College in the first place, this is something where the state should be able to make this determination. And if the people of Colorado don't like it, then they need to get to work at changing the law. Simple enough, I would imagine. At any rate, this was all about uh, an effort to try and get someone else other than Donald, but they knew Hillary (laughs) was never going to get there based on how things went down. At any rate, a Denver judge, Elizabeth Stars, also ruled that any electors who fail to do so can immediately be replaced when the Electoral College convenes December 19th. She responded to a request from Colorado's Secretary of State, who was seeking a way to prevent electors from diverging from the winner of the state's popular vote, which, you know, I don't know if it's just because Hillary won there and they wanted to represent her, or if it's because, hey, it is the law in Colorado. If that was it, then okay, kudos. If it's anything else, why you got to make a big deal? Let's face facts. Uh, no matter what kind of tricks you play, there's not going to be enough votes diverge away from Trump. He's going to be the president. Get over it. Now, electors Polly Baca, B-A-C-A, and Robert uh, Nemanchi, Nemanchik, uh, N-E-M-A-N-I-C-H. Anyway, Robert, if I'm mispronouncing your last name and you hear this broadcast, I apologize. I not intentional. At any rate, the two of them sued to overturn a state law requiring them to vote for Clinton, but a federal judge refused to do so on Monday. Uh, There are similar lawsuits in California and Washington state seeking to overturn laws binding electors. A total of 28 other states have laws binding their electors to the winner of the popular vote within their state. It's also very important to to specify that the laws are not just the popular vote, but the popular vote in their state. Now, at least one other Colorado elector has said he will vote for someone other than Clinton in a bid to woo Republican electors to a different GOP candidate, you know, like Mitt Romney. Only one Republican elector nationally has publicly said that he would do that. Chris Jackson of the Colorado Attorney General's Office argued in court Tuesday that the effort undermines democracy. Well, this is a democratic process, but concerned about democracy. I hate it when they try to use that. We are a constitutionally federated republic, which often I forgot to add federated until the underground professor made a point of uh, specifying and explaining why we should always include that. So I'm endeavoring to do just that from now on when I mention it. Uh, Professor has a point. He's absolutely right. And I should always include federated because it's important within the definition. At any rate, uh, went on to say, what we're asking the court to do is protect against the chaos that would ensue from 
faithless electors failing to perform their state law duties. Now, Jesse Witt, an attorney for uh, Baca and uh, Nemanich, said that uh, he was disappointed at uh, Starr's ruling and he may appeal. Quote, we feel it an abridgment of free speech and free expression. Actually, if you want to be an elector for a state, you kind of put yourself into a position where you have to honor the laws in place. There's not free speech and free expression involved in this process. The free speech part took place when you placed your vote, when you voted in the popular state election. A free expression is you're free to say, I'd rather not do this. But if you're in a state that has a law like this, then just get to work changing the law if this is what you want to do. But remember, when you do this, it's not always going to be Donald Trump that you're voting against or that the other side may be trying to vote against. At any rate, uh, the two individuals before named had filed an emergency appeal to the 10th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals to try to get it uh, to suspend the Colorado law. Uh, that comes after U.S. District Judge Wiley Daniel declined to put the law on hold Monday and called the effort, quote, a political stunt. Agree with that assessment, by the way. It's unclear whether the appeals court will hear the case before the electors vote. Probably not. But the state judge's orders would still stand. The Colorado electors could face up to a year in jail and a thousand dollar fine if they defy the law. And with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Vote for someone other than Clinton. Trump won 306 electors last month, well over 270 needed to put him in the White House. Just FYI. So how does this make the culture wars arguments? It seems that we have such little crybabies now that they're grasping at straws and trying to come up with any excuses they can. Trying to come up with any plan, any Tom Canary, any tomfoolery, chicanery, whatever they can do, figure out some way to change the result. And make no mistake about it, they would love, love to put Hillary Clinton in that place. I'm guessing these folks voted for it. But they know that's not going to happen. They couldn't, even if they got every single Democrat on the planet 
to vote their way. They couldn't put Hillary there. They couldn't put an alternative Democrat there. And this idea of maybe trying to flip some Republican electors towards another GOP candidate, I mean, let's face facts. The Electoral College, the way it was set up, constitutionally speaking, without state laws binding them, they could do this. It would be a free-for-all, and it would be awesome. It would be glorious chaos. And the thing is, is that glorious chaos is what brought us Donald Trump in the first place. So at the end of the day, they could have 300 different candidates and Donald would still get a majority. It's just that that simple. It's just the way it is right now. There's nobody else that would garner enough support to unseat him. Not legitimately. Of course, you know, we often criticize the legitimacy of how elections are done in this country anyway. There are glitches. There are situations where candidates have gotten more than 100% of a district's uh, votes, which means some Ineligible people place some votes or some folks voted more than once or, well, you get the the gist. And, of course, Mary in the chat room says that uh, Hillary thought they had enough dead people. And I'm sure between uh, people that weren't eligible to vote but did anyway and uh, folks that mysteriously became Democrats after they died and managed to get to the polls, you know, zombie voting. Who knew? I mean, that's part of why Democrats would love to move the election to October so that uh, on Halloween they could get yet even more zombies to the polls. And uh, I don't know what it is about dead people liking Democrats so much, but hey, (laughs) whatever. So that's real interesting, to say the least. But uh, it still comes down to a culture war issue, mostly because we are still fighting for the very soul of this nation. There are some people that are scared to death of what Donald Trump represents, and they're not willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. They're not willing to give him a to to prove that he meant what he said. They're not going to be open-minded at all. And I don't know that it matters if it's the Democrats or the Republicans who's fighting him on this, because there's going to be lots of occasions where it's going to be one or the other. In fact, when Brian Crabtree comes on the show here in just a few moments, when I give him a call, uh, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about is some Republicans now are trying to lay the groundwork to prevent some of the uh, Trump tax cuts that uh, he has suggested and evidently is planning on trying to institute. Why Republicans would want to stand in the way of a tax cut well, well, we'll get into that topic uh, when Brian gets on the show. Well, uh, I'll not get too deeply into that until then. But uh, the great thing about this country is that the people will rally behind the people that they have put in positions and in place of uh, power and in authority. The people are still responsible. For Donald Trump. And as close as this election seems to have pulled out, 
I do think that if you were able to adequately remove all of the ineligible votes that got counted for Hillary, that this probably would have been a landslide across the board. Democrats, of course, are saying that the fact that it wasn't a landslide, ignoring the fact that there was voter fraud anywhere, that it means that he does not have a mandate to do whatever he wants. And the real problem is that Donald Trump doesn't want to play by uh, by D.C. rules. He's going to have a hard time getting things passed through Congress, and he's going to have to go to the people, and the people are going to have to either support him very vocally and put pressure on their elected officials from their districts, or they're going to have to decide if maybe Donald's off base. It really is going to be up to the people. But the thing about Donald is he does know how to use social media and how to use television and how to play mainstream media like a fiddle. He knows. He's very good at branding, and he's very good at manipulating the media. That's what he does best. So he's going to have to take his case to the people a lot. And we had this conversation during the early stages of the campaign uh, with uh, Ken Crow was on. You know, I asked him several times, given how many Republicans were against him, if he honestly believed that he'd be able to get anything pushed through Congress. I think we're going to have a lot of fun watching uh, the uh, confirmation hearings, given some of Trump's choices for key cabinet positions. Not that they're bad choices, although a couple of them still have me scratching my head a little bit, but uh, mostly because he's going to have to convince the very people that are trying to protect the swamp that Donald claims to be trying to drain. Everything he's done to this point has been designed to either send a strong message to certain people or to keep his opposition off balance, one or the other. I do like the idea of uh, Rick Perry as energy secretary because Rick Perry has said in the past he'd like to do away with the department. I take that as a plus. That's the mindset of someone running the department that I would like. I like the idea of an education secretary that despises Common Core and has been so good at fighting against it that he actually uh, – that. Uh, the left actually believes she's completely against public education, period. I think that's fantastic. I like the idea of putting someone in charge of the EPA that hates that the EPA behaves like it has legislative authority, that it overreaches, that it strangles businesses through its restrictive regulations. Strong message to liberals that business as usual is done and the BS is coming to an end. That's the message, or at least those are the optics. Quick shout out to Kel, who's joined us in the uh, chat room. Hey, Kel, how you doing? <laughs> Here in just a second or two, it's time for me to give Brian a call, and we'll have him on, and we will discuss Republican opposition to Donald Trump's suggested tax plan. So stay with me just a moment. Uh, I'll play a little more Christmas music, and I'll be right back.
right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for staying with me through the break. I'll, I'll, and I'll we are back, and I'm being joined live now by Mr. Brian Crabtree, host of the Brian Crabtree Show. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Welcome back to the show. And how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Good to be here. Well, I appreciate you taking a few minutes of your time to be with us today. Um, I know you've been very vocal uh, these last few days about GOP leadership looking to lay some groundwork to stop Trump's proposed tax cuts. What's going on with that? Well, I, you know, my, my best guess on that is that, especially consider the source, Mitch McConnell, here's a guy along with his ilk that couldn't stand up to Obama hardly during uh, the last eight years, but now it seems they've got a, a, a lot of fury to stand up against Trump. Uh, my, my guess is that we're going to see some of this for a while because these are the people that still just don't believe in this Trump presidency in the context of the fact that he's going to be able to actually do great things. They apparently didn't pay attention to the upset victory that he pulled off on November 8th. So they believe the best thing for them to do politically is to distance themselves on some issues uh, while sounding conservative while doing it, uh, uh, dissenting a little bit, so that it's, it, it, when Trump eventually implodes, as they think, they'll be able to say, see, we, we didn't just, just fall in, we weren't just his sheep. Uh, so they believe that they're, they're in a better-than-thou self-righteous way. They believe that by distancing themselves, I think, uh, they're, they're saving their political future uh, when Trump eventually implodes, as they think he will. Bobby, the thing that aggravates me more than anything, and of course McConnell's excuse here is after looking at the state of the economy, he believes it would be dangerous to do this at this time. He's completely ignoring the fact that tax cuts is a big part of the Republican platform across the board, should be something he's fighting for. And in the past, when we have cut the corporate rates, we've always garnered an excess in tax income. Is this really yeah, I mean, just some kind of... Yeah, go ahead. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's kind of funny if you think about it, because if you if you actually give people in business that pay a lot of taxes, a lot more money to work with, generally speaking, as we're seeing right now, they have a positive attitude. So a lot of businesses, uh, Carrier, for instance, IBM announced 25,000 jobs. We've heard of a steel company hiring 10,000, SoftBank 50,000 jobs, $50 billion. And this is like almost a daily occurrence now. Before he takes office, it'll be half a million new jobs. Uh, President Obama can't claim that except for just jobs coming back. So that's just based on sentiment and hope. So if businesses are, uh, actually start receiving and, and people start receiving some tax benefits, they too will create jobs. Small business owners might hire one, one more person because they feel like they've got a little, little breathing room. That's going to then create more money into the economy, consumers spending more money, thus more taxes. I'd point out one thing, too. We compare tax rates today to the times that they've been as high as the top rate above 50% or at one point in our history up to 90%, but we forget you now have a universal access fee, service fee, cell phone fee, 911 fee, cable television fee. I mean, everywhere you go, there is a tax. You fly on a plane. That money goes into a special FAA budget every time you fly on an airplane. Federal taxes, and then there's some state taxes that pile onto that, that we didn't have 50 years ago. These are all new taxes. Our effect tax rate is far higher than what, what, what we see from the IRS because they're clipping a little bit off of everything we do. That's one of the reasons so many Americans are struggling because that is so inflationary. We're having a hard time absorbing that and having the economy uh, move forward and, and gain the traction it's, it's possible 
because of those facts. And so when we talk about tax cuts, we're talking about lessening the money from the bloated government bureaucratic system. Right. Beyond that, I can overlook and forgive some of our senators and congressmen to not understand basic business sense. Most of them have never met a payroll. In fact, most of them only care about business when it comes time to get a contribution. But this the the base level common sense involved with representing the party platform to me seems like that's a good enough reason to get behind this guy. Is there any chance at all that this is still motivated a little bit by the fact that they're afraid maybe Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Trump will, in fact, drain the swamp and them being swamp monsters, of, in effect, not happy about the prospect of the swamp being drained? Well, let me let me pivot that as a, a non-political analogy. Uh, there was a story on Fox News today, and had a, a top Wall Street executive who is in the in the stock trading business, and he was suggesting that maybe we need to find out some way to better regulate traders or Trump. I think he mostly meant traders because every time Trump tweets about a business, good or bad, there are stock traders who figured out how to make a play on that. And basically what's happening is people are making money based on predicting what happens to a stock with Trump's tweets. Now, I pointed out on my radio show this afternoon to that, why would they want to regulate? That's opportunity. That's that's just using what we all get to see and figuring out how to apply it to our investing. Because Trump's tweeting affecting the stock market from that high of a political spectrum is something we've never seen. So people in Wall Street, people in business, people in politics in Washington, back to your question, they love to stay within the box where they've developed the box, they've made the rules, it's all comfortable for them. And when someone from the outside comes in with enough power to say, you know, I'm going to change all this because it's just not working, they, they're beside themselves. They're hysterical, they're basket cases because they've been so comfortable for so long and not challenged, they don't know how to adapt. And so you're going to see this a lot on the left and on the right by the people who who are empowered by everyone else following their rules, their arbitrary unilateral rules. Well, it's time for a change and it's going to happen. And some of these people, whether they get drained from the swamp or washed away with the uh, with the overflow, uh, they're, they're going to have a tough time because they're they're resisting. And the resisting We've seen throughout the last 18 months resisting Trump with with things that really do make sense. The people want is very, very detrimental to your future. It's a, is this going to be a case for uh, Donald, though, where every time he's going to have to take it to the American people and it's going to be up to the people to continue to put pressure on their elected officials? Or are some folks actually going yeah. to get behind some of these policies? Well. Some folks will be smart enough uh, because the politics will, will, will predicate that, but some po- folks will be smart enough to start getting behind some things. But yes, the answer to your question simply is yes. Uh, on a lot of issues, he's going to have to take it to the American people on Twitter. He's going to have to bypass the mainstream media, and he's going to have to create a disruption that people are going to say he's starting a war with China 
or he's starting a war with business, or he's at not acting presidential. Well, throw, I mean, who who created these rules uh, that we have to follow? It's like saying, well, we we have to recognize the one China policy. Why? Well, you can't use Taiwan as leverage. Why? According to who? According to what? With that one China policy since the 1970s, we've developed a nearly $1 trillion trade deficit. It's working for China, the one China policy. It's not working for us. Trump's going to be the one to challenge that. And the American people, um, I think they're going, to go, they're, going to, they're going to buy into it. And it's going to be like dominoes. The American people are going to fall more and more for Trump, even if they don't right now, even if they're skeptical, so long as he does one thing, J-O-B-S jobs when people start making more money they start getting raises they start getting a better job than what they've been stuck in because opportunity abounds he is going to be able to overpower these politicians in washington because the people will be feeling the positive results of good policy if he doesn't do jobs then maybe the glenn mcconnell theory of implosion of donald trump could be true because people won't won't take it for long well, you know, quite frankly, I almost chuckle whenever somebody says anything about acting presidential after eight years of Barack Hussein Obama. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, it sounds like you're absolutely uh, dead on with uh, that. Uh, on a slightly off note, uh, real quick, with uh, the folks that Donald is tapping for his uh, cabinet positions and advisory positions, uh, What's your general feel there? Uh, who's your biggest surprise at so far? And is there somebody that you think he really needs to get into a position somewhere? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that he's not getting Rudy Giuliani into a position because I think Rudy has been a person who could have well served this country for a very long time. And he's a very sharp guy. Uh, I, I, I also think it would it's kind of a tragedy. Newt Gingrich isn't there as well. But I will say this about those two. They have been very effective in their roles as sort of uh, ad hoc uh, political consultants to the campaign without being official. They've probably been able to move about the country a little better. So I think that's the theory. They can do more good outside not having to follow the standard executive branch rules than they can do inside. So those two, I I, I get that. I'm I'm able to get comfortable with that. The biggest shocker to me, actually, was the fact that he considered uh, Nikki Haley the governor of South Carolina for anything more than dog catcher, because I'm not sure she's qualified for that. She certainly has made a disaster out of the state from a standpoint of social issues. Uh, the economy of the state really is, is is the result of the governor before her who did some incredible deals, one namely being Boeing. Uh, I was shocked a little bit by the choice of, uh, of Rex Tillerson of Exxon, but as I've read into his resume and the fact that he has these relationships with some of the most uh, difficult foreign countries that we face, Russia, Yemen, having done uh, business, uh, obviously, in, in the Middle East quite extensively. Uh, if you dig deeper, you find this man, Rex Tillerson, knows how to say no to people like Putin, and they still like him, which goes to my theory that the reason Putin and Obama don't, don't gel very well is uh, Putin actually thinks Obama is a hack and an idiot, and I agree with him if that's what he thinks. And it sort of, it sort of uh, lends to my theory that, that competent people – like doing business with other competent people. So uh, you have a better shot at getting something good out of Russia and Putin, even if he's an evil man, uh, if you're competent and you're capable, as opposed to being an ideologue like we've had in the White House or someone like Hillary Clinton, where he probably just rolls his eyes every time he sees them or hears them. Uh, so I think Tillerson, uh, at first I was a little surprised. I, I think he's a 
He's a shocker, but he's a brilliant choice. All right. Well, uh, again, thank you very much for being with us tonight, uh, Brian. Uh, if folks want to uh, catch your show or read some of your work over at uh, townhall.com, uh, where exactly would they uh, go to look that up or if they wanted to follow you on social media? Yeah, well, at Brian Crabtree on Twitter. And of course, my website's talk40.com, talk40.com. So you can check out pretty much everything there in one fell swoop. All right. Again, thank you very much for uh, being with us tonight. Hope you have a very blessed and Merry Christmas and holiday season. And hopefully we can talk again soon sometime. You as well. Great to be with you. All right. Thank you much. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Brian Crabtree. He is the host of the Brian Crabtree Show. And you can uh, find uh, his writing at uh, townhall.com, among some other places. I do have links in the show description today that will take you to both of those. And uh, of course, from the Brian Crabtree Show website, you can track around and find other things. So again, I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone uh, who's listening tonight. And for the folks that are hanging out in the chat room, see that uh, Annie from Southern Sense has joined us. Hey, Annie, how you doing? Uh, glad to have you with us tonight as well. Here in just a few moments, we'll be uh, speaking with uh, Dan Perkins. And we'll be talking about uh, Rex uh, Tillerson a little bit more in depth with him. So it's kind of a nice segue that we had there. In the meanwhile, uh, I want to, again, extend a very happy and uh, glad tidings of joy in this holiday season to everybody. I'm I'm just feeling the Christmas spirit today, and I I hope everyone else is uh, enjoying their time. I, I don't have any particular reason to be feeling it more than usual, but I guess we're getting close to that. Uh, now we're 10 days away from Christmas Eve and I get into the spirit. I, I love it. I'm listening to Christmas music uh, every chance I get now. And, you know, it's just, I, I love the season for a multitude of reasons. Uh, I myself have been very blessed in a lot of ways and I, I appreciate it. I count my blessings daily and I give thanks to the Lord above for them. And, uh, you know, it, it's something that it's really easy to take for granted sometimes when things are going well. And most people tend to turn to their faith more when things are a little tougher. And, and I try very hard uh, every year not to uh, to take anything for granted. And especially of which all you find folks that take time out of your busy schedules to listen to the show. Those of you who join live, those of you who are listening after the fact in the archives, uh, whether you're uh, listening right here at BTR in the archives, or if you're catching it over at Spreaker, or if you're catching it at iTunes, at, uh, at TuneIn.com, Podcast.com, all the other places that you can find the show. If you're listening on Roku, wherever you're listening to the show, thank you. And I, I hope no matter who you are, if you have a very blessed holiday season, period. And I mean that. Also, as is tradition, I'm going to start working in earnest soon and scheduling and trying to put together the year in review show. It's become a tradition here at Tap into the Truth. Uh, I get in touch with several other hosts. In fact, uh, Annie, who's in the chat room right now, has been a participant uh, in the past. Um, and I, I get the folks together like uh, Josh Bernstein, um, Annie, like I mentioned, has been there before. Ken Crow has joined. 
Sarah Marie Brenner has been really good about coming onto the show even after she's left. I've got a few other folks I'm looking to contact, and I'll probably try and get all those folks in. And I like uh, I've already issued an invitation to Kel to join us, and we just kind of look back at the year, look at what the biggest stories were. And I'm thinking more about doing a kind of a roundtable thing this year uh, and maybe even splitting it up over two shows because some folks have an easier time getting here on Wednesday nights. Some folks have an easier time still doing the Sunday afternoon bit. So we might do a little bit of that. I just definitely want to let everybody know ahead of time that is something that we're going to be looking towards doing. Uh, Also, uh, at this point for Sunday's show, I've only got one guest scheduled so far. But uh, it's a good one. Uh, retired Brigadier General Tony Tata will be joining us. And we'll be talking about uh, Trump's choices of generals. And also at this point, Doug Giles is scheduled to join us a week from tonight. He'll be coming on at the 8 o'clock hour. We'll be talking about his new book, A Coloring Book for College Crybabies, which I definitely enjoy uh, Doug's take on things. Uh, heck of a. Heck of a, uh, what's a good word? Uh, <laughs> eh, he's a heck of a communicator. Doesn't mince words and he brings it straight. Uh, and I've enjoyed having him on the show before. I look forward to getting to talk to him again. And, of course, between now and then, I'm likely to have a few more folks scheduled. Uh, the holiday schedule, I'm still debating on whether or not uh, for Christmas Day, maybe do the show on Saturday instead. Um, Maybe the same kind of thing for New Year's Day. I haven't made a decision there, uh, but I definitely, especially considering some of the technical glitches I've been fighting through that has cost me an episode or two here late, I don't want to abandon the show during the holiday season because, you know, you regulars, you folks, you're just as much part of my family now as the folks that I live under the same roof with. I just, please don't tell my wife I said that she gets jealous. Anyway. it's just uh, just an opportunity for me to, to say thank you again, and I appreciate it. And uh, that's kind of where we'll be going uh, this Sunday and as we move forward. Of course, Mary says she won't be here on Christmas Day, obviously. She's doing what folks should be doing, and that's spending time with your family away from the hustle and bustle and crazy stuff. I don't know why we say away from the hustle and bustle. Because for most folks, especially once you're the adults, uh, there's as much hustle and bustle in trying to put together a Christmas for your family as there is doing anything else. Uh, as I, sometimes I uh, honestly feel like I go to work to get a break from uh, all the stuff I have to do here. But uh, again, shh, don't tell my wife I said that. Uh, anyway, that's where we're at. Uh, a few minutes before time to call Dan, so uh, we'll take a peek at another one of the uh, stories that definitely wanted to uh, get in touch with now, in case you were uh, late to the show, had about 10 minutes of dead air. Thank you, Blog Talk. Uh, but then we also talked about uh, the fine folks that are showing their opposition to an ACLU lawsuit, the fine folks in Knightstown. Uh, they're passing out crosses and putting them everywhere because the ACLU suing the town on behalf of one of its residents over having a cross on top of the town Christmas tree. I hate stories like that because it's ridiculous we'd be having that. Then we also talked about the judge ordering Colorado electors to, to vote for Hillary Clinton. Guys, 
the state law says you got to, so you got to. You want to try and vote for somebody else? Ah, sorry, that's uh, that's the state law. Another story out of Indiana I wanted to kind of touch on real quick, and this is a, an interesting story in so much as you just don't hear about this type of action very often. Uh, in Bunker Hill, seems that the uh, police got tired of the city council abusing their authority and trying to force the officers into doing things that at the very least are less than above board, uh, in many ways, probably flat out illegal. It seems that the entire Indiana town currently has no police officers after every single one of them walked off the job. Now, the officers blame Bunker Hill Town Council for the situation, saying that they've had issues with the town board, and there are some activities there where they felt like uh, they were serving the individual's board members' agenda as opposed to the needs of the people of the town. Uh, former Bunker Hill Town Marshal Michael uh, uh, Thomason uh, said that point blank. Uh, Thomason has served as the town marshal for four years until this past Monday night when he and four other officers handed over resignation letters to the council telling them that they have had enough. Quote, they would not communicate with us or the officers and they kept scaling back. Uh, in their resignation letters, the officers accused the council members of asking them to do illegal, unethical, and immoral things. They cited examples like asking the police to run background checks on other town counselors to find their criminal history. Uh, the officers also claimed that they were threatened when they said no. Uh, another issue they brought up in the letter was their safety. The officers said they were all forced to share one set of body armor putting their lives on the line while they were out making arrests and serving warrants. And if you've been paying attention to the news at all lately, you know, trying to serve a warrant right now, whether it's a search warrant or any other kind of warrant, cops are getting shot. Anyway, Thomason uh, said, quote, I did not want to send someone out there with bad body armor, so I would take mine off and provide it to the other officers. I told them we have to provide this. There is an IC code that explains that and says that the town has to provide the body armor. On top of that, Thomason also said that in his resignation uh, that it was personal. He was uh, diagnosed with cancer last year, but uh, when he was ready to go back to work in May, he said they would only allow him to work. He blames the town councilors and plans to file a lawsuit against them over that. At the end of the day, this story seems to be presented from a point of view of the police officers. And I certainly hope that something can be done to fix that. A town cannot go without police officers. I'm sure Annie uh, can attest to that, being a former New York City police officer herself. Things get messy without the cops. Now, this is a small town. but there are criminals undoubtedly in the town and nearby. And once news gets out that this is going on, crime will go up. Their residents will be in danger. But are we really still at a point in this country where city councils 
and mayors are willing to put their police officers at risk to serve a personal agenda? The answer to that obviously is yes. Does it really take an entire police force turning in their resignation to get the attention of the people? Evidently, in this case, it does. This is not a good happy Christmas story, and I don't like talking about it, but it is something that uh, needs to get out there. People need to be made aware of it and needs to get fixed real quick, because whether they bring any of these officers back or they hire brand new ones, they need the body armor. They need to be safe when they do their duty of keeping the residents of the town safe. It's a tough job as it is. We don't need politicians making it any harder. Unfortunately, that seems to be the theme of politics. How can we make it harder for people to do their jobs, especially if those are the people that are supposed to be providing protection for the average everyday citizen? It's sickening that uh, bureaucracy works that way, but this isn't just bureaucracy. This is individuals not understanding that uh, they weren't put in office to carry out their own personal agendas and to do what they want to do on a whim. They were put in office to serve the people. It's called public service. It's called that because that's what it's supposed to be. <sighs> How I miss the days when Americans understood that it was a responsibility to serve the public, that it's, when you were called upon, you served because you were called upon and you didn't take advantage of it. You didn't want to cling to the position any longer than you had to. You did it because it was a sacred responsibility. It was a duty. And it is an honor. And it should be looked upon as such. Unfortunately, we now live in the age of career politicians who believe that it's nothing more than a path to riches, a way to gain an unfair advantage in knowing what is and isn't in a law because you helped to write it or you debated it in subcommittee before it got to the floor and became from the bill to a law. And just makes me want to go watch It's a Wonderful Life again and think of uh, how nice it was to live in the days when uh, people did the right thing because it was the right thing. And the people that were doing the wrong thing were easy to spot and you knew they were the bad guys. These days it's tough sometimes to tell who the bad guys are. You know what? I was in the Christmas spirit earlier. I'm starting to bring myself down. I got to stop that. I, I want to spread Christmas cheer. Come on, people. What are y'all letting me do that for? Let's, let's, let's get back to the positive, at least before I uh, call Dan here in a minute. Uh, yeah, it, it's interesting uh, that things like this happen uh, this time of year in particular because, you know, nobody wants to walk away from their job when they're trying to pay for uh, their family Christmas. Nobody wants to walk into the line of fire without adequate. Uh, 
protection either. And you know, we're not talking about just any job. We're talking about being a police officer. There's no way that, that I can adequately express to you. <laughs> I mean, I know I don't have to. Annie, Annie knows. She's walked the blue line. But uh, unless you yourself have been a police officer, there's no way that I can adequately express to you how much they need and deserve our support. And they do. They go do a very, very tough job that politicians are making harder every day. And idiots like Black Lives Matter protesters are poisoning the minds of people to make them think it's okay to take shots at officers. Barack Obama gave his little interview the other night uh, where he said, obviously, we haven't uh, overcome uh, the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow laws. Uh, actually, we were making pretty good progress until you took office, and your war on police is a big part of the reason why we're back to facing that legacy. It's not fair, and it's not right. All right, folks, if you will... Bear with me one last time. I'll play a little Christmas music, and then I will be calling uh, Dan here. So stay with me, and I will be right back. Uh, I hope you guys don't mind the Christmas music. It's all instrumental stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, I am back. Thanks for staying with me through the break, and I uh, hope that the uh, Christmas music is still uh, acceptable to you guys. Now I am joined by Mr. Dan Perkins, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Rex Tillerson. And, uh, well, uh, Dan's with me now. So, Dan, thank you very much for being with us tonight, and welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you. And, by the way, as Mr. Trump said last night in uh, Wisconsin, we can say Merry Christmas again. 
<laughs> Absolutely. So thank you. And Merry Christmas to you as well. Uh, and, you know, uh, a lot of people have been kind of, uh, they were first, they're kind of taken aback by uh, Rex being uh, Donald's choice for Secretary of State. And now a lot of folks are criticizing him. Uh, a lot to do with uh, the fact that he's got ties with Russia. Well, you know, ExxonMobil does business in a lot of places around the world. Uh, what was your initial reaction uh, when you heard that Ricks was uh, the choice for Secretary of State? It solidified for me what I believe Trump's strategy is to get America growing again. And that is, um, given that we have the ability now under the changes in the law a year ago to export crude oil and natural gas anywhere in the world. Um, energy is going to be the way we make America great again. If you think about the possibility of building new refineries, chemical plants, pipelines, which require thousands upon thousands of people and fittings and, and valves and pipe and and all kinds of related services. Um, we're going to finish the Keystone. We're going to do the North Dakota pipeline. And we're going to probably um, build perhaps some new nuclear plants or start the process to build them. It's going to be a huge boom to this economy. In fact, Tim, if you think about it, what else could we do in this country that could provide an opportunity to put millions of people to work relatively quickly? There's nothing left. So this is energy is very important to making America great again, economically strong, and the world leader in the exportation and distribution of crude oil and natural gas. Well, I certainly so can't argue Rex against is that. The perfect guy to do that. Rex is the guy to do that. I mean, one piece of advice as I've, I've done a number double-digit numbers over the last few days of interviews speaking about this issue. And one thing I want to caution your listeners about, consider the source of the people who are concerned about Rex. Consider the source. If the source happens to be somebody from the New York Times or the Washington Post or any of the mainstream media outlets, then you better basically better not believe it because they they have an agenda and they want to they want to they want to fool around with Mr. Trump's sticks. Uh, normally speaking, a president is allowed to have the cabinet members uh, that he wants in the various positions. Uh, I think two other things happened, one other one today and one last week, that convinced me that. Um, we are going to see something we have never seen before in the United States. And that is, and I say this in a positive, hopefully you'll take it in a positive sense. We are seeing, going to be seeing in about 30 days or, yeah, about 30 days, the initial public offering of America Incorporated. Because what we have is a president who's by and large taking people from the private sector to run very key jobs in the administration. And what we're going to do is, for example, he announced this morning that Rick Perry was going to be his secretary of energy. But I tell you that I personally believe that the conversation that Mr. Trump and Mr. Perry had was 
Mr. Trump said to Mr. Perry, go there and take it apart and close it down. I think he's had the same message with the people in education. Go there, close it down. Um, and so we've got, we've got, in addition to that, we have the Attorney General, who has sued more the EPA more times than anybody else in the country over the ridiculousness of their regulations, has now been appointed to the head of the EPA. If anybody can figure out where the swamp is inside the EPA, the, the lawyer and the attorney general, who was responsible for suing him many times, knows where the swamp is. He's going to drain it. And so with all this regulation out of the way, we have a free and open market for us to develop our resources, whether it's oil, whether it's natural gas, whether it's coal, whether it's nuclear. We're going to put millions of people back to work building the best energy machine in the world, and we will be the energy supplier to the world. So this, uh, in your mind, is really just all about establishing that uh, business uh, mentality, the results driven. This is what we're doing. People who know how to negotiate, put in position, and uh, everything else, all the other policies fall in place. That's basically what we're looking at, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I would say to you, do you, uh, I've never met Rex. Uh, I've owned this, this stock in this company for a long time. And, but I would say to you, uh, Mrs. Clinton, when she went to Russia to try and negotiate with, Putin, she took with her a plastic staples reset button right. to try and symbolize that she was a pardon? Oh, I, I said right. I, I, I remember the stage show, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Rex will go to Putin with the plastic reset button. And the fact that he already knows Putin and has some kind of a relationship with him and some kind of relationships in over 50 nations around the world, he already hits the ground running much faster than Mrs. Clinton could do even at the end of her term. And so what we have is an individual who is a businessman who's worked for ExxonMobil all of his life and started at the bottom, and he's a true American success. He started at the bottom and worked his way up to the point that he ultimately became chairman of the board of ExxonMobil. It's a great story about his own personal success, regardless about the success for his company and his talent and ability. He's a, he's a, a successful businessman who made it on his own. He didn't get hired in as the CEO, came all the way up the ladder to become the CEO and the chairman. That's great talent to be there. And, and so when you look at the people that the president's bringing in, he's bringing in talent, but by and large, he's not bringing in bureaucrats. He's bringing in business people. Let me give you one of the solidifying moments for me showing Trump as a businessman. When he heard that the cost for two new Air Force Ones was $4 billion, remember what he said? Cancel them. Cancel the order. That's the kind of decision that a businessman who's looking at the deployment of his capital and the possible return on his capital, that's the kind of decisions they make. Bureaucrats don't. They just go ahead and spend it because it's not their money. It's the people's money. 
the uh, standard bureaucratic bill is uh, why spend uh, one million when you can uh, spend two? Uh, and yeah, we actually have somebody that at least to this point is demonstrating the fact that they have genuine concern about the taxpayers' money, and they actually understand the concept of a fiduciary responsibility. Uh, you know, we've we've talked a long time. Conservatives have, in particular about how we need more of a business mentality running the government. Now it looks like we're heading in that direction. Is that part of why the business as usual, Democrats and GOP seem to be so nervous? Absolutely. Because he is, it's not so much that he's an outsider. He's doing exactly what you just said. He believes that the American people no longer want bureaucrats and elites making decisions because, quote, Americans aren't smart enough to make their own decisions. He believes that America is smart enough and talented enough to make their own decisions. And the job of the president of the United States, you know, we often refer, we use the term, the business term, when referring to the president of the United States as the chief executive. Well, that's what we call the person who's the chairman of the board, or president or CEO of a, a corporation. He is the chief operating officer or the chief executive officer. And what Trump, Trump is bringing in is he's saying, look, I'm gonna run America like I run a business. And, um, and to show you how powerful that message is, no matter what the left is saying, look at the change in momentum in a relatively short period of time in the general American population and in the business sector. They are genuinely ex excited about having, quote, one of their own in the White House who understands what it means to run a business. Mr. Trump knows how to run a big business, not as big as the U.S. government, but the secretaries that we typically think who are responsible for the various departments in the traditional sense were administrators. I think what Trump is doing is hiring these people to come in and take over these various cabinet positions, and they're going to be acting as a board of directors for America Incorporated, and they're going to have the responsibility to justify the existence of their particular jobs and the departments that they have. Right. Well, outside of uh, Mr. Tillerson, uh, I... Of course, I mean no disrespect to him, but I like just I like the name Rex, so I usually just say Rex. So I, I hope that's not insulting <laughs> to anyone. But uh, right uh, no, outside, I, th I think I think that's. Go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I agree. I I agree with you because it's a, first of all, it's a great name for an oil man. You know, there's a there's a there's a guy who put out oil well fires. His name was Red Adair. I mean, it was a perfect name for a guy who puts out oil fires. Rex is a great name for a guy who's chairman of the largest integrated oil company in the world. And uh, and when he walks into a room, he has a commanding physical presence. Um, and uh, uh, he uh, the the name is uh, means king. And and so I think that he's going to command tremendous respect when he goes around the world and does his job. But I really believe that his job, more than anything else, is going to be to help the American oil industry 
find markets all over the world for the for the oil industry because that's going to mean more and more jobs and and um, he's going to negotiate deals that are going to be good for America and good for the American citizens. Uh, outside of Rex, though, uh, is there anybody else that you feel like still needs to work their way into a cabinet position that Donald really needs to look at uh, as far as having him on staff? Uh, or uh, at this point, are you just satisfied with uh, how he's made his picks to this point and you're content with letting him pick and choose? Because, uh, you know, I think everybody has an idea who they would like to put where. I was curious if you had any uh, any ideas for any of the remaining positions. I um, I don't think we talked. We may have talked about this, but what I'm about to say. Um, my wife and I started a foundation two years ago called Songs and Stories for Soldiers. And we work in the VA hospitals across the United States. We're in 53 hospitals, clinics and homeless shelters and we've distributed over 10,000 mp3 players so i tell you well i i think rex is a great pick the one pick that i'm waiting to see who it's going to be is something very close to my heart and that's the veterans administration that pick hasn't come he's made a promise to the veterans and the american people that he's going to take care of the veterans but he hasn't named that pick yet and so um, I really think that I know this is probably going to sound crazy, but if I if if I had to pick somebody that I think that could go in and shake up the Veterans Administration and call them to task and clean up the management mess and begin to improve the quality of service to our veterans, I would say Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, well, I, I think that actually would be a tremendous choice. Uh, I think that Rudy has kind of taken himself out of the equation at this point based on all the reports. But I really would like if somehow or another he could end up in that position. I do think think that, that is actually an excellent choice. Uh, Rudy is he's tough well, as nails. He knows how to get things done. He's uh, right. He's more, uh, he kind of leans towards uh, more big government solutions, but he still works for solutions. So he's a guy that I could still support, right. despite the fact I'm not big on big government folks. Uh, he did some stuff in cleaning up Manhattan. He did what everybody thought could not be done. And he did it fabulously right. with maintaining the respect of the people in charge of his first responders and the whole nine. Uh, I think New York. Had they had anyone else as mayor when the Twin Towers were hit, that it would be a very different aftermath, too. It just, he is a great leadership. I, I I can't think of anybody better for the position. And, you know, I hadn't even thought about him for that until just now. So, uh, Dan, that is a tremendous choice. Mm -hmm. And I hope Donald uh, considers that. That'd be great. Uh, have you so been I, surprised? I, I... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I, I, I just think that um, I know that Rudy sent uh, several weeks ago sent a letter to Donald that he was really not interested in a cabinet position, but um, working for the veterans might entice him to to change his mind. I, I just want to have somebody that I know there's a mess there uh, that needs to be cleaned up big time. There's a lot of abuse. Um, 
not too long ago, a veteran uh, couldn't get into the to the emergency room in Virginia, and he went out in the parking lot and killed himself. And 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 the problem is that we're our our suicide rate in veterans is accelerating. Uh, now we're doing almost one an hour. And about a month and a half ago, the VA for the first time released um, the suicide rate for veterans based on sex and the male suicide rate is about four times the civilian rate, but the female suicide rate is 12 times, 12 times the civilian rate. The, uh, the Veterans Administration estimates that about 40% of the female suicide is driven by sexual harassment. But if you take that section out of the numbers and just look at the raw data, away from that unique situation, uh, the female suicide rate is almost twice the rate of males. Um, and so it's, it's a huge problem. And through our foundation songs and stories for soldiers, we're already trying to figure out how can we reach out to those women uh, and let them know that we care about them and our program might help them with their post-traumatic stress disorder or their sleep deprivation which ultimately can lead to suicide. Right. Well, those are, those are absolutely heart-wrenching numbers. And of course, as much as I've been uh, talking about happy holidays and holiday cheer for the majority of the show, uh, unfortunately, suicides tend to go up around the holidays when people have even greater feelings of disconnect and and yeah, we actually had talked yeah. about your foundation last time you were here, but it's certainly a worthwhile foundation and uh, definitely uh, appreciate what you guys do there. Yeah, you know, we don't do enough for our veterans. We just don't. Uh, when it comes to veterans and oh, our first responders, uh, they get the crap into the stick every time. And it seems bureaucrats and administrators are always standing in the way, even the ones with good intentions. Yeah, you know, I uh, I don't know whether we have time for me to tell you one more story. Do we have time? Yeah, go ahead. We'll fit it in. Okay. Um, one of the first hospitals we went to was the Veterans Hospital in Cincinnati, Ohio, on Vine Street. And we started with the chemotherapy and the kidney dialysis units. And we've been back many times and we're doing other things. And uh, when the new director of the VA took over, he did a tour, the gentleman from Procter & Gamble. And he, it was only by happenstance that he was in the Cincinnati hospital at the same time I was on a visit. We didn't meet each other, but um, about uh, two months, he came out, after he finished his tour of the hospital, he came out to the press and he said, this is the standard by which we should operate VA hospitals. About three months later, the senior senator from Ohio opened an required the inspector general open an investigation at the Vine Street VA Hospital because soldiers were being, surgeons were being asked to operate with unsterilized instruments. And um, a whistleblower, a whistleblower told the story. So you know, you 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 hear those stories of suicide in the parking lot, um, and you. Uh, I just heard yes this morning about a guy, a veteran, and if you can imagine this, who was found dead in the shower in a hospital, and he'd been there nine hours dead. Um, yeah. You you wonder you wonder what happens, and so when 
when we with our foundation songs and stories for soldiers we we try and get a soldier through the night one day at a time and uh, if your listeners want to help they can that in this time of the year when we think about giving you can go to our website songs and stories for soldiers and they can make a donation and for ten dollars they can purchase an mp3 player that can be given to the soldier and they just for christmas they must just may save a soldier's life that's certainly well and i would you know, listening uh to please consider doing exactly that um Dan, uh, th- again, thank you very much for being with us tonight. I-, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Uh appreciate your insight as well, and, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again real soon. But in the meantime, have a very Merry Christmas and a blessed holiday season. Uh, and, and Thank you very much, Tim, and the same to you, and I look forward to the next time on your show. Take care. All right, you do the same. And uh, just FYI, I do have a link to uh, your website and to the Amazon site for uh, the upcoming release of The Brotherhood of the Red Nile, America Responds, in the uh, show description. So anybody who wants to check that out, please do that. And uh, I will go ahead after the show and I will uh, add the link uh, to uh, the Songs for Soldiers uh website as well so i'll get that up there because i really was remiss in not having that up there and i I thank you for reminding us everybody tonight uh again god bless and i appreciate you and we will definitely talk again real soon thank you sir thank you take care bye Bye. all right ladies and gentlemen that was mr dan perkins uh and again like i said we've got uh links to his uh main website in the show description and i will have to track down uh the uh, Songs for Soldiers uh, organization. I had that show description, uh, that link in the show description on the, the last time that he was here. And uh, certainly something to think about, you know, for every joyous moment, there's something sad to consider too. But you know what? We have an opportunity to reach out to our fellow man and we definitely need to be taking care of our soldiers and our first responders, especially this time of year, but eh, we don't need to wait till this time of year. Uh, hold peace on earth and goodwill towards men. It's it's something that you have to make happen, and it starts inside yourself, and it's something that has to happen year-round, or it's never going to happen. And naturally, we don't have the option to control that. We can't make it a reality for the whole world, but we can sure go a long way towards our own little sphere of influence. And I guess since we've only got about five minutes, I'll start wrapping things up. Once again, I want to thank everybody uh, for listening. I want to thank all of today's guests, uh, all very good ones, although I'm uh, going to have to get some extra time with a few of them next go around. Uh, that, of course, started with Andrew Langer, who was the president of the Institute for Liberty. Uh, and uh, then, of course, we talked to Brian Crabtree and then just now, Dan Perkins. I think the conversations were good. I want to thank everybody who's listening again, uh, especially you guys in the chat room. Thank you very much. Mary, uh, Kel, uh, Annie, you guys are uh, welcome here at all times and appreciate uh, any uh, time that you guys can spend some time with me. Uh, Merry Christmas to you guys as well. Yeah, it's still, I I started off the show having to complain about uh, BTR again, but uh, you know, technical glitch or not, 
the interviews went fine. The show went fine. I got to spend time with you guys. So uh, again, I'm going to count my blessings and appreciate the fact that I get to spend time talking to you guys and you guys spend time listening. Uh, thank you, Mary. Appreciate it. Uh, tip of the hat back to you. Uh, for everybody who catches the show after the fact, thank you for uh, being there. And uh, again, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put a little effort in if you really want to tap into the truth. And be prepared to use your brain a little bit too. All that fake news running around. Uh, anyway, God bless. We'll see you Sunday, hopefully. And uh, continue to enjoy blessings of the holiday season. That is my wish for you. In the meanwhile, I will go out with the more traditional sign out uh, as I'll be playing Miracle. After all, we certainly could use one. And this is the time of the season of miracles. God bless and uh, see you guys again soon. Oh